I told you it was going to heat up. I told you election season was going to get crazy. Dan Stradamus predicted it, and it's already getting nuts. It's getting bizarro out there. We've got this poor kid in Kansas City uh, just getting railed by the media, shamed and defamated and all these other things. And thank God we have a, an actual attorney on here to talk to us about it very quickly. We've got a lot to cover. We're, we're covering the uh, person versus uh, Shalala case, which is, is just a monumental case against the FDA by one of our favorite runners for U.S. Senate, Jonathan Emord. We're going to have that to break down today. And then we also got to just touch on the Elon Musk thing that's going on. Listen, before we get started, would I ever, would I ever just accept free gifts from some kind of military backed, uh, a first responder based company, a military owned and operated company? Would I just receive mail from them and then just wear that, wear their, their clothing or represent their brand like a walking billboard without taking any money from it? <laughs> No, of course I wouldn't. I would not wear a Rip Pack, a Rip Pack official shirt from Rip Pack uh, this close to the holidays just for simply sending me a shirt and a beanie that my kids have already gotten dirty. Listen, we'll always do it. If you're a military-owned company, if you're a, a veteran first responder owned and operated company, if you're a company that just supports and backs the blue and backs virtual, right, if you send me something, will I shamelessly wear it? Maybe, maybe not. Probably. The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on this is Sunday. About the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. where josh is at i hope he's uh, probably gonna have to do one of those uh security checks for the guy send somebody over there and make sure he's all right he's never he's never really missed a show like this so i am slightly concerned today's show is brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash wolfpack sleep so good it's scary and listen this close to the holiday season baby i the anxieties are up there money's an issue you got to buy all these presents inflation election season all the chaos listen the only way to sanely get through the holidays is by at least getting a good night's sleep and a good diet a good meal and that's why we are so proud to be backed by companies like factormeals.com forward slash Wolfpack50 and GhostBed. Because these are two companies. One, GhostBed, you can get an amazing sleep at a very affordable price, especially using the promo code Wolfpack. Right now, they're offering 50% off. You've heard me rave time and time again over my GhostBed pillow. I travel all around the country all the time, almost every single weekend. I'm staying in Airbnbs and hotels all the time. I can't take my whole ghost bed with me, but I can take my ghost bed pillow. They've been a loyal sponsor for four years with this company. Uh, they are huge supporters of the military uh, first responders. They love you guys. And it is so important to support companies that support us in a time like now where cancel culture is everywhere. And by the way, Tyler from Anti-Hero Podcast just popped in. Jonathan Emord is here. We're going to talk all about that. But listen, it's so important right now. If this Elon Musk thing isn't the best example ever of why you should support companies that support your beliefs and your ideologies. Well, I mean, this is it, folks. This is it. That's why we just love Ghostbed and we love Factor. And we personally here on the C-Minus Media Network, we are so picky and choosy on who we choose to advertise with. We really are. Uh, and because we really want this show to be all about uh, first responders and your wellness and your well-being. We don't ever want to put a product on you that we don't fully back and support. We don't want you wasting your hard-earned blue-collar dollar on garbage. Ghostbed.com has literally saved my life. It saved my entire family's life. Uh, I'm more than thankful for Ghostbed. And when I say that, I don't say it lightly. Listen, my, all my children that are, I have five kids, my wife has birthed through them by holding on to ghost bed pillows. We've done home births, so we do them right in our home. And those the, those children go straight to the bed. Um, and, and, and so literally, seriously, guys, right now, go over to ghostbed.com, 0% down, 0% financing. And that's if you have Orlando PD credit. Shout out to Tyler from Anti-Hero uh, and the Orlando police area. 
of Florida, but even with his his Orlando, Florida salary, he could probably afford a ghost bed. Head over to ghostbed.com. Sleep so good, it's scary. And then we have Factor Meals, folks. Factor Meals, it's meal planning to the next level. Uh, you go into the gym, you've got court prep, you've got all of the things going on in your life. Plus you have a family and a wife that loves you or a husband that loves you. And kids, you've got to spend time with them. Don't waste all your time and your energy trying to cook your shrimp and then putting it in one dish, putting your chicken in another dish, cleaning the cutting board between each ones, wasting a whole bunch of valuable time that you could have with your family. Instead, go to factormeals.com forward slash Wolfpack50 and get you meal planning to the next level. These are fresh, never frozen meals delivered right to your front door they come right to your door in a nice little box they got like some kind of like dry ice stuff that just like keeps the whole thing cool this you get you can meal plan if you want protein heavy calorie conscious you want to go vegan or vegetarian they have it all they have a huge menu selection it's so easy to use go to factormeals.com forward slash wolfpack five zero click through the recipes and the things and get you these meals. Uh, Margaret and Jay Durrell, the two comedians from our Monday Uncuffed show, we're actually doing an event here at my home at Mikasa. We're going to watch the George Floyd documentary, The Falling of Memphis. Uh, no, the falling of the fall of Minneapolis. And uh, I'm, I'm going to treat them to a nice meal. And that nice meal is a factor meal. We also have conservative ant on board with the night shift top secret information show on C minus media network. He's up on those factor meals using the forward slash Wolfpack five zero promo code. So support those who support us without further ado. Let me go ahead and bring on our very, very special guest, Jonathan Emord. And of course, always right here going forward on the Friday breakdowns from the anti-hero podcast, Delta force operator and a street cop joined together with one amazing podcast. That is the anti-hero podcast. Uh, thank you one for your service, Tyler to, to everything that you do. And, and Mr. Emord, thank you for fighting, for doing the Lord's work. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah, this is, this is super exciting because this is going to be one of those podcasts where like you kind of, you're listening and you forget you're on it because I watched uh, your Wednesday one. That was really good. So I'm super excited to be here, Jonathan, and thanks for coming on. You bet. My pleasure. Guys, I, I will say that, you know, we don't do a lot of work on the YouTubes. We have a live chat going on now. Fulcanator, Brandy Heller, Bosco. Thank you guys for being in the live chats today. I think Murph 530 is up in there. Tech's a cool dude, Wayne. I'm not going to go on forever, Will Cray. Thank you guys for being in the YouTubes. Listen, I've tried with the YouTubes. I've tried very hard. We bought the whole staff cameras. I mean, what do we got? Like six or seven people. We bought everybody cameras. We bought everybody the mic. All for this huge effort of, of YouTube. In the last two weeks, we've had uh, several human trafficking hunters, hunters of human traffickers on uh, Yako Buyens and, and 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 a couple other guys, George from uh, from Albemarle. And then right following those episodes, we went right into having Jonathan on. And not that we were doing all that well on YouTube anyway. I mean, we do pretty good, but 99.9% .9 of our followership comes from listeners. And it's never been able. We get, I mean... We'll get 100,000 downloads a month on podcasts and we'll get four or 500, 700 views on YouTube. With those last two weeks, those numbers have dropped in half on YouTube. YouTube is throttling all the content we knew they would. That's why we started the Rumble. Head over to Rumble. It's going to be a long election season. I, I love you guys, but this is why it's important to leave us a five-star rating review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is why it's important for you to kind of a grassroots thing like Jonathan Emord's got going on right now. He's got a big grassroots thing. He's going on podcasts. You got to share us with your friends because this content, especially on YouTube, is getting throttled. Uh, luckily, that's not the case with podcasts. And you know why it's not the case with podcasts? Because it's guys like Jonathan Emord that are fighting the FCC, that are fighting the FDA, Mr. Amor, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've had some battles with the FCC. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, over the years, I've had battles with a lot of federal agencies. And um, the sad reality is that, you know, three quarters of all federal law is made by the agencies, not by those we elect. So we are really not a constitutional republic. We're a bureaucratic oligarchy. When you realize that unelected people have such extraordinary power and are the ones making the laws that govern us, it's a pretty terrifying prospect. And you, you realize rather quickly that our power to influence government is pretty, pretty narrow. And that's because of the change that has taken place over the years with the bureaucracy 
running the show and Congress increasingly looking like it's irrelevant. It's so important in a time like this. Um, you said in our, our interview on Wednesday, you said that we are kind of at we're kind of at our limit. Like now is the time to you didn't say these exact words, but I'll say it to our listeners shit or get off the pot. It's time to be proactive because we are we are at the cusp of losing losing our freedom. Is that do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are in a situation where within the next few years, if we don't fundamentally change the direction of our country, we are going to see the federal government and state governments in complicity with them really deprive us of a lot of our rights. And you've already seen it happening in spades. I mean, take a look at these red flag laws, for example, violating your Second Amendment rights where a neighbor can just report you to the police and say that they think you're an irresponsible gun owner and that you may threaten others with your gun without any evidence whatsoever, no probable cause. And under the red flag laws, the police are asked to go in and investigate, actually go into the home or confiscate the weapons. Uh, this is, uh, you know, we don't want um, our people who are defending us against crime assigned to duties that violate people's rights. I mean, we have enough problems as it is. We can't even handle the crime epidemic in America because the prosecutors won't prosecute because uh, they you know, got rid of bail and cash bail and they have this massive recidivism rate. I mean, most people in your audience understand very well that the criminals that they're arresting are oftentimes back out on the street within 24 hours committing the same crimes and there's no real justice there. And how frustrating is that? How frustrating is it to be disabled of any power to take down a juvenile who's as violent as a any any adult and being told that you simply can't intervene or take action against them. This whole anti-police and anti-incarceration movement is really, really hurting us. And it's part and parcel of this bigger movement, which is to basically destroy our criminal justice system, destroy our border protection, destroy our protection for our rights, destroy our economy. They're, these are actions being taken with intent. These are actions being taken to give the government more power in place of what we do ourselves. If you can make everybody always think that there's an emergency, you can make everybody panic and, and worry about whether or not they can go outside and be safe or go to an event and be safe or go to school and be safe, you end up with a situation where people, because of fear, as we know from the pandemic, will give up their rights. And that's exactly what they're interested in. You know, Rahm Emanuel said it early in the Obama administration, never let a, a crisis go to waste. And what they mean by that is a crisis can be used to gain more power. And that's what we have to worry about. And that's where we're heading if we don't reverse this. It's already underway in spades. And if we don't reverse this, we're going to see ourselves living in an environment where the government does everything from control the speed of the automobile that you're driving to determining whether or not you can have a gas stove to causing the price of groceries to go way beyond what you can afford, which is happening now, and also to make gas prices unaffordable, to force you to buy an electric car one way or another, to compel you to agree to have the government set the standards for your care in instances of a pandemic where the international standard which violates your rights and doesn't give you alternatives is required to be given to you by the doctors under the federal government's requirements. These are all these things are coming unless we stop them. Tyler, you're on the front lines as a law enforcement officer in a high crime area. Well, with me going back to Jonathan anymore these red flag laws, uh, I'm not in the game anymore. So I'm not the expert. What do you do when you get that call? We haven't got one. I don't know if I'm just blessed in the state of Florida. There's a lot of great things. There's a known it was a it was a conspiracy a couple of years ago. It is a known fact that they just replaced the our ninth circuit uh, state attorney because she was a Soros plant. She was funded by Soros. She was put in there by Soros. They had to oust her because she was saying she got so bad. She was publicly saying on the news that I'm not going after the people that that they want me to go after. I'm going after cops. And everybody was like, that was a red flag for a lot of people. Like they were like, okay, that's kind of weird that she would say stuff like that. And she just would say stuff like that. Eventually she was replaced because of all those types of things. And I don't know if 
Wasn't she fired? Yeah, yeah, she was. And then somebody came in and is is now kind of picking up all the pieces that she had left on the ground. But as far as a red flag law goes, I mean, I, I've never had to personally deal with it. And I've never known anybody that personally deal with it. There's a lot of crazy things that, I, again, let's, my, let's, my, go back to, let's go back to like the COVID times. Um, did you experience any calls during COVID that, that uh, you know, that somebody wasn't wearing a mask or uh, how many COVID, of those calls did you have to deal with? COVID was the craziest thing because I got to see political corruption from the top down. So I work for a democratic run city and they said, Hey, so they would tell everybody we're, we, we, we support, essentially we support this whole democratic run thing, this whole COVID thing, right? We support it. However, they would tell us we're not enforcing anything. Do not tell somebody that they have to do something. Do not ever take somebody to jail for something. Do not walk into people's houses and command they do something. So they were saying we're enforcing it. And then they were turning around and going, we're not enforcing it. What is your take on that, Mr. Emord? Well, we're sick of hypocrisy, aren't we? We get so much of it. That's a great, good example of how hypocritical people can be. I mean, obviously, they have no principles. If you're going to tell people you're going to enforce the law and then behind the scenes you tell the police don't enforce the law, you're obviously uh, playing politics with the rule of law, which never should happen. You should never be in a position where the rule of law is meaningless. By the same token, of course, they should not be forcing people to put masks on or be vaccinated anyway, because that's a violation of their personal liberties. We have a lot of problems. And he was talking about the Soros back prosecutors. I mean, we just had another one, uh, fortunately, removed in Loudoun County, Buda Bibberai. And she made many statements against the police, like the ones that were mentioned. Uh, you know, horrible. You expect the prosecutor to prosecute. You expect them to take criminals seriously as criminals and prosecute them. And she did the same thing. She said, no, this is victimization of minority groups. And she criticized the uh, law enforcement uh, in, in uh, Loudoun County and the popular Sheriff Chapman in Loudoun County. She tried to get rid of him. She tried to condone a rape of a, a girl in a high school where they allowed this biological male, the boy, uh, who dressed in a skirt to go into a girl's bathroom because he said he was a girl and they were meeting their woke agenda, which is to allow biological males and girls in women's bathrooms, locker rooms and sports. And so they let this boy in. Of course, he raped this girl. And then rather than allow law enforcement to take the upper hand here and make sure that that boy and, and a criminal justice system that would work to put him in a juvenile detention center or something for this because he's clearly messed up, well, they didn't do that at all. And ultimately what they did was put him in another school. They just moved him to another high school where he committed another sexual assault. And only after that second one did they actually take some action. And even then, they still are allowing this boy to be in public schooling. This is ruination. I mean, if you don't stand up to crime, if you don't back the police in, in law enforcement, do you expect you're going to be safe? If you, if you don't uh, understand your Second Amendment rights, if you don't own a firearm today, you're really in a position of being in trouble in a lot of cities. And the reason is the defund the police movement has ravaged the cities. I mean, I can't tell you the number of, even in, in, in uh, counties where they haven't had an extensive defund the police movement, Soros, uh, Alex and George Soros, and the Open Society uh, Foundation and its affiliates has pumped all this money across the country into these defund the police movements because he's a globalist and he does not believe in the United States. He doesn't believe in nationalism. That's why he advocates open borders. That's why he advocates defund the police. That's why he advocates and finances the election of these anti-incarceration prosecutors. He wants to destroy criminal justice. He wants a state of emergency in the United States. He wants to humble our nation so that it accepts its place as merely another part of an international community that he intends and says expressly should be governed by a totalitarian world government. That's what he's advocating. He doesn't like the United States. He said the United States is the greatest barrier to his accomplishment of a world government. And he's putting hundreds of millions of dollars into this effort in the United States. And he has had success. So when you're looking for people to blame for what's happening to the police, 
You can look at him and you can look at everybody who's taking money from him, which is virtually the whole Democrat Party today. And yeah, if, if George Soros is public enemy number one to police officers, why is nobody safe? Why isn't the FOP? Why isn't the Teamsters? Why are why why isn't it being pushed out to police? They're like, hey guys, these folks aren't on our side. So when you vote, you should probably pay attention to who is backing. Like, because you say you're your opponent in your Senate race, uh, Tim Kaine is he he's backed by George Soros, correct? Or Alex? Oh, yeah. Soros? I mean, he since he was mayor of Richmond, he's received personally money from George Soros, and he's been indispensable in getting the Democrat Party in George Soros's control. I mean, George Soros is the single biggest donator of money to the Democrat Party in the United States. He is also an absolute indispensable ally to every advocate of the destruction of the criminal justice system. And a lot of people are unaware of this. I mean, most police are not aware of this. Why should they be? They don't know what's happening behind the scenes. And what is happening behind the scenes is that these things aren't happening just organically. Uh, the whole movement, BLM, Antifa, uh, the, the effects of Muslim Brotherhood in the United States to destroy our education system, to destroy our local and state governments and, and infiltrate our federal government in favor of what their goal is, is a totalitarian um, uh, religious regime that is radical Muslim. That's what they want. They want a theocracy in America. They planned this in the 70s and 80s. They came here and they were in Herndon, Virginia, and they bought up a strip mall there and they had they established nonprofits with the goal of doing this. And guess who gave them money? George Soros. So while they're anti-Semitic, you would expect George Soros, who frequent, just as a matter of convenience, he'll say uh, any conservative criticism of him is anti-Semitism. Uh, and engages in character assassination that way. Well, he gave money and is giving money to the Muslim Brotherhood, which is a terrorist organization that advocates the annihilation of all Christians and Jews. So these are bad people, the Soros people. These people want to destroy our country, and they're doing it through the avenue of criminal justice. And what you're seeing is the result of millions and millions of Soros dollars going into groups that attack the police because that's his agenda. So that's why BLM attacks the police. That's why Antifa attacks the police. That's why you have the whole movement by these prosecutors against, that are Soros-backed, against the police. And they've had considerable success. And my goodness, I mean, police lives are being taken because of this all across the country. I mean, people are being incentivized to kill police. And... Not only that, police are being disarmed. I mean, I don't have to, I'm preaching the choir here, but you know just how devastating this agenda has actually been. It's high time we acted against it. It's high time that we prosecuted Soros under the criminal RICO laws. It's high time that we expanded the Hobbs Act. And these are measures I'm going to undertake as a United States Senator, but expand the Hobbs Act, which I'll tell you what the Hobbs Act is. Under the Hobbs Act, if a person receives money for a campaign and they are they pledge that they'll use that money that you're giving them in exchange for that money, they will do something with their official power to benefit you. And this is what happens with all these Soros back products. And that's a violation. That's a form of bribery. And it violates the Hobbs Act. The Hobbs Act needs to be expanded somewhat to embrace more of what um, Soros is doing. But that's what he's doing. He's put up in, get this, 80% of the American population is under the jurisdiction of a Soros-backed anti-incarceration prosecutor. 80%. Jeez. That's insane. That's insane. So, Tyler, we have a vice president from the FOP coming on on Wednesday. And I, and I know that you're pretty active in the FOP. Is this information? Does it get put out to police? No, the I FOP meeting. Was like, oh. No, the FOP is. I'm not going to try and sound cynical. We're trying to write the sinking ship, which is the FOP. So, but you know, they can barely they can barely stay on current issues with law enforcement, let alone ideological ideological issues that 
all cops need to start rewiring their brain for right so stuff like this you know um so the fop i i don't know the snake is it not like you know i think it'd be pretty easy i i I make the joke all the time uh mystery more that we're all you know we're c minus students at best that's why we became cops uh if you were to spell it out to me just as jonathan has has spelled it out uh that 80 percent of these um da's that that are literally making our job extremely difficult 80 percent of them are backed by george soros it would be pretty easy information to say to put that exact information out there and say like look if you're going to vote at the polls you don't have to do a lot of research because i know you're lazy and i know you're not going to fucking do it because you got a lot of other shit that's more important uh but all you have to do is here's a list of george soros backed folks don't vote for them seems pretty simple yeah i mean but that's what we do we do this thing called podcast right it's 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 kind of taken over and it's it sound i'm i sound like i'm being a dick but i'm really not we we sh- we we slip in the big issues for cops inside our you know our jokes and our humor and stuff like that and cops get to actually listen and if there's any cops listening now or on my podcast where we talk about George Soros they go who's George Soros and then we and they go they at least get to know you know, there, like you said, Jonathan, there's kids that work as cops with me that have no idea what George Soros or a Soros plant is. Yeah, I mean, you know, we our police are overtaxed in their time. They are dedicated to their jobs, so they're spending their time trying to find criminals, arrest them, and to, you know, infiltrate the sex trafficking and drug trafficking and all that, which is indispensable. And we don't want them to have to be uh, you know, taking time to defend themselves against the government that's supposed to be employing them pr- and protecting them. When the government pulls away the protection and all this that we're seeing, this isn't just, you know, because the Democrats have gone off the deep end. Yeah, they have, but they've gone off the deep end with a reason, which is they want that money. They want that Soros money because look, let me give you an idea how great this is, the money. In, in this election, which was uh, totally unexpected, for this guy named Bob Anderson, who was a former uh, a Commonwealth's attorney in Loudoun County, and he was against the Soros plan. He ran as a Republican. He only got $87,000. Now, that's a lot of money, or excuse me, 67000 Now, that's a lot of money, right? But guess how much the Soros-backed one had from Soros? $760,000. Whoa. Now, despite her having being able with that money in a local election, in a county election, dominate the media and everything. He still won because they had unleashed all this crime in the county. And then furthermore, they had, uh, you know, this whole scandal with, as I mentioned, with the boy that wore the skirt and went into the girl's bathroom and raped a girl. And that became so terrific an issue, independent, organically, that they voted her out, but only by like a smattering of votes, I think 500 votes. It shows you how powerful that money is. And so this is a reality. We've got a guy in George Soros and Alex Soros, his son, who's taking over the operation. And they're as far left as they come. They want to destroy the United States. And they are after the police. They are after them. And they're using their money to hurt the police, incentivize these groups that attack police, incentivize movements to give take away their money, incentivize mo- movements inside government to deny them the right to use weapons in, def- in self-defense and to prevent them from being able to deal with protesters, radicals who are get engaged in violence, particularly youthful violence. You know, used to be, as you know, I mean, if a, if a policeman encountered a violent youth, he could take him down. And he should because he's violent. Now you got to be super careful because, I mean, I can't imagine being in a position where your life is threatened by a a young person with a weapon and having to very carefully calculate whether or not you pull out that firearm and fire that uh, bullet at that that violent person because of all of the investigation and all of the public uproar that is going to come from that. So instead, what happens with police? They put themselves in harm's way unnecessarily in reality, but because they know they cannot do this, they can't do their job to save people unless it's the 11th hour, it's the last minute, there's no question but the kid's going to pull the gun and fire it. You know, 
That's the dilemma that police face. That is unacceptable. And that's yeah, the it's, extreme it's, dilemma. That's the extreme dilemma. Oh, you also have this is a case it happened to me, but if somebody swallows something and dies in your backseat, it's the same anxiety. It's the same investigation. You're still uh, being investigated for, for a potential homicide. And so when you're a police officer, any encounter that you have, if somebody, if you think somebody has swallowed something, I mean, George Floyd is a perfect case. Like we've seen the pictures now, we've seen the video now where you can see that he swallowed something and that was his MO uh, from his Pratt past uh, traffic stops. So now as a cop, like take away the gun, take away the violence part. Like you're still, you're still on edge if somebody swallowed something or not. And if they did, or even if you think they did, you're tied up six to eight hours of your shift at the hospital. So you're still not getting any work done. And then on top of that, I mean, like remember in New York when they had those idiots taking, you know, uh, buckets full of water and throwing stuff at the police to have to stand there to not be allowed to go and take those people down and arrest them, but to have to stand there and accept that public humiliation. And this is what it's about. You know, this is what the Soros people want. They want the police to be villainized and viewed as the enemy of, of the public. And we contribute to that when we disarm the police and when we make the police be in a position where they're going to be publicly humiliated. Used to be, you know, when we were younger, used to be that when you saw a law enforcement officer, the first thing you thought of was, gee, I'm so glad he's here because, or she, because if, if that law enforcement officer wasn't here, there'd be a higher risk of crime at this store. There'd be a higher risk of crime, you know, in the neighborhood. Now we get a whole bunch of people, young people particularly, in the schools they're told this. In the schools they're told to hate the police, who look at the police as a threat to them. I mean, this is insane. Oh, I mean, how many times have you seen it, Tyler, where where like even a young child will be like, shit, cops, shit, cops, be cool, be cool. They're joking, but like you see it. Yeah, it's the culture. You know, you go work in an elementary school. I know some of the school resource officers that, you know, these kids, they don't they don't have any hate in their heart yet, but they are they know they'll walk by the cop and go like this because it's it's what they know. Their dad did it. They're what they watch on TV does it. Their friends do it. So, yeah, it, it's it's pretty prevalent in the youth. Sarah Kelch in the chat says recently, my friend has been saying how she thinks cops are all power hungry and she's making accusations about cops that she knows nothing about. It's ridiculous. Uh, I was I, I actually had an officer uh, reach out to us from the failure to stop podcasting. He's a rookie. And, and unfortunately, do power hungry cops exist? Sure. They absolutely do. Just like there's power hungry teachers and principals. And, you know, I mean, how many times have you been in a doctor's office where, you know, maybe an urgent care where they kind of. Um, you know, like kind of be aggressive with you, right? Like you've been there and they just like sit there and wait and they don't talk to you. You know, people all over the place like to assert their dominance, if you will. So, I mean, it does exist and it is sad. And, you know, unfortunately I told this, this officer, I said, listen, I mean, you're on training, you got to deal with it, but just don't be that guy and make sure that when you have a rookie that you train your rookie different. So, you know, tell your friend, Sarah, that, uh, you know, it happens, but, uh, you know, it happens in every profession and, and you can't just look at the bad in, in every profession, but uh, appreciate you. Oh. In the it, chat, hanging out it, with us. Like, I mean, but just going with what Jonathan said, I mean, people, the way people treat cops, the perfect candidates wouldn't even bat an eye at this job. The perfect, the people you need to be cops are right. never going to, because they're logical thinkers. They're smart. They're like, why would I go? They're taking immunity away. They just, they just passed the thing where now we can't be anonymous if we're victims of a crime. That's insane. There, yeah. people are allowed to have my home address and my personal information. That's if, why it's important at officerprivacy.com forward slash get all your privacy in there. A little short plug for officer privacy. We always enjoy officer privacy. By the way, Jonathan, if you don't have officer privacy, we're actually working with them to invent an influencer uh, privacy. But basically, these are police officers that retired uh, and they were uh, digital forensic detectives and and they have created a system that removes your address or makes it very difficult for somebody to find your home personal address i don't know what that what they have as far as the government issues you when you're running for senator 
or anything like that. But if there isn't anything over to officerprivacy.com, you can use our promo code, which is forward slash Wolfpack there. Uh, we're about to break down this Pearson versus Shalala case. Uh, if you have a question, I will end uh, or, or we, we will, we're at the 34 minute mark, probably about the 54 minute mark. Uh, we'll take a chance to answer any question that you have in the live chat. Um, and by the way, guys, if you don't believe me that we haven't been throttled, our live chat today literally cut what we're like, this is a third of what we normally have. There's nothing different. The title's amazing. We have an amazing guest. The only thing that's happening right now is YouTube just absolutely doesn't like Jonathan Emord, or they just don't like the past content that we've had in the last two weeks, which has been about George Soros, uh, child trafficking, human trafficking. And, and it's, if this isn't proof enough that we're throttled, you guys are used to seeing at this point in the show, 50 people in the live chats, <laughs> we have 19. So this is the dangers that we're facing. This is what Elon Musk, we're all being blackmailed. If, and I hate to go on this tangent, but listen, this is what Elon Musk is talking about. I'm not the biggest Elon Musk fan. I'm not an Elon Musk simp, okay? I don't trust the guy. I like some of the stuff he does. I hate some of the other stuff that he does, okay? But listen to me. This is the when he says that we're being blackmailed, we're being blackmailed. It's either we talk about things that YouTube likes us to talk about and we do really well and we make a lot of money off of YouTube or we talk about the things that are important to us, things on principle, things like human trafficking, things like George Soros, things like going after the FDA, uh, politics that are outside of mainstream media. And then they blackmail you into being like, oh, OK, guys, well, you can go that route. But guess what? Now you're going to have 19 people in your live chat versus 50. That's insane. dude. So, I think, I mean, I think it's, I've, the hairs have been standing up on my neck this entire episode. I, I've been holding this in. I've been furious with it. Dude, um, dude, I, I dude, saw dude. it on today's episode and I'm seeing it live now. I mean, the fact that we can have no guests and I can pull a show out of my ass and within 24 hours, there'd be, you know, four or 500 views on YouTube for it. And then you have a really great guest with an extremely amazing podcast, well-articulated. Everything was great. The audio is good. The video is good. Everything is perfect. And within uh, uh, 72 hours, you're at 124 views. It's because YouTube doesn't like the message. We said George Soros too many times. He said cabal a couple of times, you know, and that's just the fact of the game. But you have a, uh, uh, Jonathan, going into your story now, um, you've been fighting the FCC in deregulating, not regulating, but deregulating, and the FDA uh, in not promoting healthy lifestyles, but absolutely giving every opportunity for you to be unhealthy. And you've been battling this government for a very long time, since the Reagan era. You have a landmark case, Pearson versus Shalala case. Um, if you would, go ahead and jump and say, and guys, listen, uh, by the way, Edwin, which we've never seen in the chat uh, chats before, Fedabunde. I apologize if I fucked that name up. Um, but it says, for the record, this episode is a banger. Thank you so much, Dustin, in the live chats. Thank you so much for everything that you guys are doing. Listen, it's more important for you guys to share us on Facebook. Just share this on Facebook. Head over to Rumble. Join us on Rumble and give us that five-star rating and review because that's where we know we're loved. So, but hey, listen, Edwin, Fedabunde, that means a lot for you coming into the chats. You were listening to the show. You just heard my speech. You came in here. That means a lot to us. And we really, really appreciate it. Okay. I'm sorry uh, for the, the quick rant there, Jonathan. It's just been bugging me. Well, you know, what you're talking about with censorship is exactly what I've been fighting for 38 years against the government on First Amendment grounds. And this censorship that you're seeing now is the most outrageous and extensive degree of censorship in American history. This is intentional. They're roving the web looking for conservative commentators and they, they deplatform them essentially and they reduce the amount of uh, uh, individuals who have access to your platform one way or another. Uh, and this is part of a major conspiracy that is real. It's being revealed in court, in court actions, as well as through the, the revelations in the Twitter files and through even congressional investigations. We are seeing collusion between the White House and big tech to censor information from conservative spokespersons. Everybody who is in the conservative media zone in one way or another has experienced this. And so when you talk about controversial issues that the far left disagrees with and that the Biden administration objects to, uh, Soros is perhaps one of those issues. Certainly when you talk about uh, the whole uh, uh, relationship between 
government and the private sector and its role in limiting people's rights, you get into a position where they start, you know, the, the algorithms tick off the information and they say, okay, this is something to shut down. They have an automatic method by which they're doing this, but it's not without, you know, it's not like an editorial decision. It's done in pursuance of an agenda agreed to between the Biden administration and the media. And we now know that. Uh, and so there's reporting on it that gets through the mainstream media. But when you get into the nitty gritty, like you're getting into, the censorship happens. It still happens. And, you know, Elon Musk has stood against it. And even as uh, the head of his media organization, his own media organization has defied him time and again in continuing with the censorship. So it's a very interesting situation. Pearson versus Tlaib, what is it? Okay, this is a major First Amendment case that has ramifications for the lives of really hundreds of thousands of people. Now, what happened? The FDA has a long history of censorship. People don't know this about the FDA, but the FDA prevents you as a consumer from understanding in the market what a nutrient in any food does to your health, does to your uh, either either treating a disease or preventing a disease. If, if a company sells a product, this creates a huge disincentive for companies to make healthy products, by the way. But if a company designs a product for health, dietary supplement, specialized food, one kind or another, that has a certain nutrient complex designed to reduce your risk of heart disease, lower your blood pressure, reduce your risk of having a child that's as a birth defect, um, enhance your ability to exercise, whatever it is, if they dare mention it, reducing the risk of a disease on the label or in any of the promotion, even though they have all the scientific proof, the FDA goes after them because the FDA has an absolute prior restraint, that means limitation, on the right to speak truth about the health effects of foods. Why do they do this? They do this to protect the drug company's monopoly over telling you that a substance treats or mitigates a disease. They only want you to know that a drug does these things when they approve a drug. They don't want you to know that something less toxic than a drug in your own food supply can help you. Let me give you an example. Pearson versus Shalala. We had four claims at issue. My clients made all these products with natural ingredients. They wanted to tell the public what the effect of those ingredients were based on the scientific literature. Not only science that is out there in the general public, but even the science the government itself had uh, published through the CDC. So let's take one of them. So folic acid is a B vitamin. Folic acid in 800 micrograms, real small amount, if consumed by a woman before she becomes pregnant during her childbearing years, reduces the risk for her having a child born with a brain outside the skull or a spinal spine outside the spinal column, which is called spina bifida and neural tube defect births. It reduces that risk by 80%, 80%. And it's a B vitamin and it's totally harmless. Okay, the FDA for 10 years would not let that information into the market. Because, why? Because they were protecting drug companies from a public perception, just the perception, that an element in the food supply, folic acid, could have a therapeutic effect. They only want you to think of drugs as treating disease. They don't want you to think of foods and, and nutrients as being treatments for disease. All right, we had all the proof. The CDC published it to pediatricians and um, obstetricians and physicians all over the country that folic acid did this. It wasn't, it's generally accepted science. Okay, they suppressed it anyway. They censored it to protect the drug industry from competition. And so we sued them on that. We sued them also on omega-3s in the same case. Omega-3 fatty acids and reduction in the risk of heart disease. The evidence for omega-3s is fantastic. You take omega-3 fatty acids every day, you'll reduce your risk of having a heart attack, 
of having a heart arrhythmia. Of uh, It reduces uh, clotting. So this is critically important for people to know. In addition to that, antioxidant vitamins was in the case. Antioxidant vitamins reduce your risk of various forms of cancer. They have an antioxidant effect. You know, they, they scavenge free radicals, they're called, that, ca that promote the production of cancer in your body. Okay, the public should know that. FDA censored all of them. I feel like I should, like I feel really upset that I didn't know that until just now. So the FDA censors all this information. All right. So I go to court and I uh, get to before the Court of Appeals, a three-judge panel. There's Judge Patricia Wald, Judge Lawrence Silverman, and believe it or not, Merrick Garland before he became attorney general. Oh, wow. and I argue so. So before I do this argument, this was so momentous. Recognize there were 2,500 preventable neural tube defects a year. 2,500 kids being born with, with the brain outside the skull, spine outside the spinal column. Even if they survive, it's lifelong medical care. I mean, millions and millions for a, a family. Totally destroys a family. That becomes the whole focus of their lives is to try to keep that child alive at massive expense. And then there were countless NTD-related abortions. I mean, you know, women all over the place who, when they were uh, informed that they, their child might have a neural tube defect were aborting their fetuses. So we have all these preventable deaths and, and uh, abortions, right? And the government still would not, even with all that evidence, even our petitions to get the government to change, they wouldn't do it. The FDA stood four square in defense of the drug industry. We get into court. I argue the case before, uh, in the Pearson versus Shelley case. Before I argue the case, I prayed. No one knew it. I was sitting there quietly. I was praying because the weight of this case, this was so significant. If we didn't win this case, this would continue, right, indefinitely. In fact, there would be no regime under the First Amendment to protect you so you could get health information. Okay, so as luck would have it, and as our you know good fortune would have it, we won the case. 3-0, even Merrick Garland went with the majority. Silverman, Wald, and Garland. Okay, 3-0 decision. The government's first time in American history in which the FDA was held accountable on the First Amendment and a whole regime of regulation was held unconstitutional. All right. They, they filed for a rehearing. That's before the whole panel of the court, 11 judges. The 11 judges decided in our favor, all 11 of them. Okay, super, right? Even with the, they didn't, they couldn't, they asked the Solicitor General if they could appeal to the Supreme Court. Solicitor General has an independent power for the government to determine whether to appeal or not. He said, no, I'm not going to appeal this. He agreed with us. So it's a final order, goes to the FDA. What happens with the FDA? I get a call from the assistant chief counsel of the FDA. His, his name is Eric Blumberg. He called me up. Congratulations, Jonathan. But I want you to know something. The FDA will never, ever, ever abide by the court's order. <laughs> we have a final order, right? It's a constitutional mandate hmm. to an agency of the government that is censoring information that is killing people because of the censorship. And they would not change. I'd assume again and again and again after this. And I finally got these claims through and I had to defeat them eight times in federal court to get it to happen. Eight times. And the whole thing, I mean, so now the information gets out there, right? We start to get the folic acid information out there. You know what has happened in the United States? The number of neural tube defect births went down from 2,400 or 500 down to a couple hundred a year. Wow. And the incidence of NTD-related abortions has gone way down. So what does that mean? That means that there are tens of thousands of healthy babies and healthy people because the FDA stopped the censorship by court order, but it took uh, it took years and years and years of litigation to get them to sleep at night. Obviously, they don't sleep on a ghost bed, but uh, I, you know, if you they they know this, they they know the information because they they were they listened to your trial. How do they 
I, and I think that's the problem with the American people. It's, it's hard to wrap your head around. Like so, there's one guy, there's somebody out there or a group of people that are like, we know that babies are dying. We know that people are having abortion. We know people are having spinal bifida and we don't care. And I think it's hard for people to wrap their minds around that. What you've met these people. How do they live with themselves? How do they not jump out of a window? I'll give you a very personal, specific example that is, I think, shocking to people, and it should be. So years ago, not that many, but several years ago, I was approached by a family. They had a, they had a boy who was eight years old, and he had a, uh, he, his name was Zachary McConnell. And he was uh, eight years old, and he had a glioblastoma, a brain tumor. All right. He had gone through radiation. He'd gone through chemotherapy, and the tumor kept growing, and there was no hope for him. In the course of going through the radiation and chemo, though, he lost half his body weight. The pressure in his brain was so intense and the pain that he would bash his head against the wall, even with NSAIDs and other things, painkillers. His parents, out of desperation, contacted a doctor in Texas, Dr. Brzezinski, and put him in the Brzezinski Clinic that had an experimental drug for reducing and eliminating brain tumors. He goes down there. He gets into the clinical trial by the grace of that doctor. They start giving him this drug. He has no adverse effects to it like he had to the radiation and chemo. And the tumor starts shrinking. And you can see it on the MRIs. This tumor is shrinking. And then they get a call from the FDA. And the FDA says that this is a clinical trial with a protocol that he doesn't meet. He doesn't fit the criteria for admission into the trial. You are illegally allowing him in the trial. You must immediately discontinue the treatments. You must send him back to have more chemo and radiation, which is the the FDA-approved treatment. All right, the parents come to me in absolute desperation. The child was forced out of the clinical trial, and the tumor's growing in his head. And they came to me, and they said, our child is going to die. And not only that, the only treatments we can give him are the ones that cause him to lose half his body weight and to suffer pain. That was We're not going to put him through that misery. We're not going to have him die in absolute agony. No way. He's an eight-year-old boy. So I call up the FDA head of oncology it, it, that made the decision on this issue. He was named Dr. DeLapp. And I said to him, hey, look. I have an eight-year-old boy with a brain tumor that was shrinking under Dr. Brzezinski's treatment, and you took him off that treatment. That is absolutely unacceptable. There's no moral way you can justify that in your head, I'm sure. And I'm going to tell you something. This is not going to stand. We cannot allow this to happen, and I'm going to hold you to account for this. So I want you to tell me to my face that you're not going to allow this boy who will otherwise die an agonizing death the opportunity to receive a treatment that was working regardless of what the criteria were for admission into this trial. In this particular case, this boy, Zachary McConnell, was having his brain tumor treated and it was succeeding. Put him back on there. What's wrong with you? And what does he say to me? Well, we have professional staff that evaluate these things and they have recommended to us that this boy not continue to receive treatment because he doesn't meet the protocol for admission into the clinical trial. If we change this in this one instance, we'd have to do it in all other instances like this. We can't do this. We have to have the integrity of the drug approval process protected. And I said, nonsense about the integrity of the drug approval process, whatever that means, this is real. If your own child had a brain tumor, you mean to tell me that if you went to Brzezinski and it was working to reduce your own child's brain tumor, that for the integrity of the drug approval process, you would put them back on what you knew didn't work and would kill them? And you'd take away any chance of survival? Jonathan, did you win this case? I need to know now. Like, did you win this case? Yeah, right? Let me know. This is what happened. So So then I go to Dan Burton, who is the head of the Government Reform and Oversight Committee in Congress. And he had jurisdiction over FDA. And I told him about this whole case. And he said, Jonathan, I want you to testify before my committee about this. But also, I want you to help me interview the FDA commissioner. Because every time I bring him in here, he always gives me some uh, BS uh, statement about how uh, he his hands are tied by the regulations. And that he can't do what's right to help save somebody because the regulations won't let him do it. 
He said, I know that's probably not true, but I'm not an expert in FDA regulation like you are. So I'd like you to help me cross-examine the, the commissioner in my office. Will you do that? I said, absolutely. I said, anything to help this boy, we got to move fast. And so he set this up meeting quickly. We get the FDA commissioner in there and he, he grills him and he realizes that this is not cool. And uh, ultimately we, we played a little trick on the FDA commissioner because we had in the wings a member of Congress who had actually asked him to change a decision by the staff to allow a boy, another boy, to get access to an experimental drug because he was a Democrat, because he had power with the president at the time, uh, that commissioner gave him what he wanted. And so if you had the right political connections, you get what you want. So there I am in the in the in Burton's office and this information we know. And so Burton asked the commissioner, Von Eschenbach, I think it was, I may be mistaken, asked him, OK, has there ever been an instance in which you have overruled the staff? so that you could have a child have access to a drug that could save their lives? And I knew his answer would be no, because he couldn't say yes. If he said yes, he opens himself up to all this criticism, right? And he has no reason to believe that Burton would understand that this had happened. And I only knew it because DeFazio, the member of Congress, uh, I was a familiar with the case that he dealt with. So he asked him that and he says, no, I don't overrule the staff. And then the information was presented to him and sweats pouring down his face. And then Burton leans over and he says, and now I know you're a liar. I will never trust you again. And on your way out of the office today, you're going to receive a subpoena and you're going to testify before my committee tomorrow. And I'm going to bring in the parents and their children and all the people that you are causing to lose their lives or suffer. And you're going to have to answer to each one of them. And you're going to do it before the television cameras. And you're going to have to account for your role as FDA commissioner in causing these kids' lives to be forfeited. So then what happens? So it's it, this is the, in the days of still when fax machines were used. So I go back to my office. And that night, I get a fax. And the fax says miraculously, this is miraculously, the fact says, the staff has reconsidered the evidence you presented on what has happened in the clinical trial with the boy. And we have decided that there's been over a 50% reduction in the tumor size uh, that justifies continuation of this because it's such an extraordinary circumstance mm -hmm. and it's an exception to our regular rules. And we occasionally do make modifications in them. And this is a case that on reconsideration, we think justifies allowing him to go on the clinical trial. So then I immediately tell the parents, I immediately get the boy ready. They take him down to the Texas clinic. They get him in the clinic and they evaluate his tumor size. And it had grown so much in the weeks that we used to get this done that they put him back on the antineoplastins, but it didn't work and the boy died. So the FDA killed the boy. Listen, I, I, I would in bloodlines. I, I I have five children. If this was my kid, this was my kid, like, I had cancel me. I don't care. I would I would in bloodlines. I don't understand like how we tolerate this as a society. I I, I mean to, to tell me that one of my children's lives is is at stake because of any fucking policy or any bureaucracy, insanity. There has got to be a better way for us to fight. Listen, kids are getting cancer like every day, like all the time, right? Well, we, we everybody knows somebody with cancer. And to tell me that there is no legit fight, like there's no way, like this is the most upsetting case you could have ever brought before me. You've ruined my weekend. Thank you very much. But how do we hold the FDA to the, how, uh, this doctor, this, they, they put up with this shit? Like how is he not rotting in a cell somewhere? Or how is Zachary's parents not that the money would make any difference, but where is there any justice in this case? I need, there's got to be something, right? Well, there is no particular justice in this case. It's horrible. It's horrendous. And it shows you how bad the FDA is and why I'm so much of an advocate for limiting the power of the FDA. But I'll tell you what I did do after this. I wrote a bill for Congressman Ron Paul called the Access to Medical Treatment Act. And it was designed to prevent the FDA to, from being able to prevent anyone from having access to an experimental drug that might save them from a terminal illness. And I wrote this bill 
And it was written some 25 years before its, its final iteration came out. Uh, and years later, so you have Ron Paul. He introduces the bill time and again. The drug industry kills it every time in committee. So they're killing a bill that would save countless lives from the FDA denying access to experimental drugs. Finally, Rand Paul, his son, who's a United States senator, a magnificent one, right. introduces an iteration of that same bill that I wrote many, many years ago. And it was called the Right to Try Bill. And he met with President Trump and he asked President Trump to leapfrog over the ordinary process in Congress and to present to the public the bill and to advocate it being brought to the floor of the House and Senate for an immediate vote. And President Trump in his State of the Union address, and I was shocked because I had written that bill 25 years ago, the, the first iteration of it. I was shocked to see it took that long, but I was so delighted when the president said during his State of the Union address that this bill had to be passed and that mm -hmm. people should have access if they're dying with terminal illness without FDA getting in the way. And he pushed it hard and it passed and it became law. So that's that's a tribute to Zachary McConnell. That is a tribute to him at last. There is federal law now that we can use to get access to an experimental drug. That doesn't mean the FDA is not uh, still nefarious and still engaged in bad activities and censorship. They censored everything during the whole COVID era. They're bad actors. And we've got to do a number on that agency to ensure that Americans' rights are protected. But at least in this one instance, President Trump saved the day. Uh, we, we appreciate you coming on, Jonathan. Um, and and I, we have you one more time on Night Shift TSI, which is completely different from Failure to Stop. Uh, that is our conspiracy uh, with uh, political commentator, comedian, uh, activist, if you will, uh, Anthony uh, Ramonde, conservative ant, uh, with 1.4 million uh, followers and growing every day. For some reason, he's not getting canceled at all. He is just rapidly growing. And, and so we're going to talk to you about some conspiracies and have a little bit more fun, a little bit more loosey-goosey with you guys. And so that'll be Sunday. Um, we're going to put that live on the Florida Stop channel. Um, but the podcast itself is going out to night shift top secret information. But as a treat for you guys here, I mean, listen, the channel is already screwed. It can't get any more screwed on YouTube than it will. And that's why, again, I urge you guys to join our Patreon. It's ad free at the beginning of this year. I'm sorry, of 2024, we are going to go to dynamic ad reads or not dynamic ad reads, automatic ad reads on a lot of our shows. Um, and so, but if you go to our Patreon, those will be ad free shows, but that's how we're going to keep this show afloat. Uh, because I'm really going to just not, I'm going to stop caring about YouTube. Not that I don't care about the chats. I will always be here on the live chats for Dustin, Brandy Heller, Fulcanator, all you guys. We're not going to get rid of it, but I'm going to stop caring of what I, I don't, I don't, I'm not afraid of being canceled by YouTube or losing the channel altogether and having to take down it's election season that's going to happen you need to prepare for that to happen join our patreon join rumble or find some other way to consume our content or you can just be lied to by mainstream media and get all the other garbage that you want on youtube but if you're really serious and really proactive uh there's a lot of things that got to start happening it's only going to get worse going in the election season so please uh, give us that five-star rating and review on apple Podcasts, on spotify join the patreon channel it's like 3.99 a month something like that it's a cup of joe it's a cup of coffee a month if you're a first responder peasant and you've got like five kids and you can't afford it send me send me a message dm me i'll pay for it i'll pay for your subscription to patreon because i don't want you to miss out and i also don't want your kids to go hungry uh at behest of this show so please just reach out to me if that four dollars a month is a problem and i'll make sure that we get it taken care of for the rest of you that that are able to support the show thank you for doing so and we appreciate it jonathan we'll see you sunday night uh where can we find you real quick where can our listeners look out for you and what's the next step in getting you elected as senator so they can go to emord4va.com. And if you can donate, great. If you can support the campaign by volunteering, please do. Whatever you can do to help us move this nation in the right direction, please become an activist, become involved. We've got to save our country. And if we don't take the action now, I'm terribly afraid within the next few years, we're going to have very limited opportunities to exercise our rights to save ourselves. So this is it. And we really have to take advantage of it. So it's emordforva.com. Uh, together, I think we'll save our country. I think we are patriots and we're committed to this. We have to look at things like, you know, 
a YouTube channel that's engaged in the censorship. Get these programs out, no matter how you can do it. Get them out. Uh, send them to friends on your own. Build a committee of correspondence to get the truth out. And then I think we will be better off, and I think more people will be activists and fighting for the, the survival of liberty in our country. Dustin in the chats, he's a, an active police officer uh, in the Florida area as well, opposite of where you're at. Um, but he just said he will cash up $20 a month for four people to be able to listen to the show. Uh, Dustin, again, man, from a first responder, wow. Oh, wow, man. Uh, means a lot uh, uh, to us. I'll tell you what, if you'll just take uh, that money and, and donate it, if you if you agree with the senator here, donate it to his thing. I'll take care of the, the people in the live chats. I want to see uh, Jonathan get elected. So take some of that donation and just give it over to, to Emord. Uh, what's that website? One more time, Jonathan. Emord4VA.com. And how generous you are. So that's uh, very thankful for that. Yeah, thank you so much. Now, Tyler, lastly, as we separate here, what do you have next on the Anti-Hero Podcast? By the way, Mr. Emort, if you ever just want to be entertained, these guys, it's a Delta Force operator and a active police officer who have uncovered some just incredible uh, cases. They've had uh, cops who have left for porn and they've questioned them and um, they've had uh, they, they've they've brought lie detectors in to kind of debunk the killing of Osama bin Laden. Uh, we're not saying that he wasn't killed or anything like that, but it was a very interesting case about how one man wrote a book and how one man just really wasn't truthful and how he's been blackballed from the community, but we still spread those those lies. That's coming from real Delta Force opera. They've just had some very interesting cases on Anti-Hero Podcast because that's what it is, Anti-Hero Podcast. What do you have next? Really quick before we get out of here, what's your next episode on? Uh, we have just a uh, uh, entrepreneur street cop that uh, his name's BJJ Cops. He's got 300,000 followers. Uh, he travels on the weekends. He works Monday through Friday. He hits a bird on Friday night, teaches a course Saturday, and flies back Saturday night. Rest Sunday to cops, basically, or yeah. take down maneuvers to cops to disarm people and to get them into handcuffs. Very yeah. valuable training. And then his name is BJJ. God, we follow him on Instagram as well. Um, fantastic guy. So we'll be looking out for that episode. Um, we'll see you Sunday night. Uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for your and for everybody else in the live chats. Uh, this has been Feather Stop Breakdown with Anti-Hero Podcast Tyler and future Senator uh, Jonathan Emord. Guns up and giddy up. Take care.